don't know anything about Gemara and Halakha. And uh, Nachman Abrazov said that anybody who looks at the guy to the Flex is on his way to, uh, to a terrible place, but not because it's about philosophy, but because it's largely about Ta'amei HaMitzvot. And Ta'amei HaMitzvot is unacceptable. So that's how the parasha begins. The parasha begins with Paraduma, which is about the question of Ta'amei HaMitzvot. But then if the parasha goes along, there is a story. There, I think, I, I mean, it's not even clear that it's a story. But we'll call it a story, which starts in Perikov Allah Posuk Tetvav, which you have it on your sheet. <coughs> and it has a lot of words that are not uh, so clear. I just want to, to remind you of the context. Uh, just one second. Here we are. Eshed Hanechalim. I'm reading it from the... It's on the sheet. Eshed Hanechalim. So the word Nechalim is a... Uh, is a clear, clear. Asher nata l'shevet ar. Ar sounds like the name of a place. V'nishan l'gvul moab. Eshed ha'nechalim. Rashi says, Targum shel shefech eshed. Eshed ha'nechalim. The outpouring, the pouring of the waters, right? Pouring of the waters. Esh asher nata l'shevet ar nata go in the direction of ar the dwellers in ar v'nish'an and comes close to leans against gvul moav the border of Moab. Now this is, I mean, I want you to understand that this pasuk is absolutely meaningless. There is no way, I think, that a reasonable person could come up with an interpretation. I mean, that's the nature of this pasuk. So we look to Rashi to help. And Rashi does help. He's going to interpret the Pesach, which doesn't mean that we've all become reasonable just because Rashi interprets the Pesach. That's not the case. Will I, uh, okay. So Rashi says this. Targum shel shefech, shefcha nechalim shedishvach shavdam emorigim. Shefcha nechalim. Nechalim are, uh, okay, rivers. Shevera Nechalim, Shinishvach Shamdam Emoriyim. Emoriyim is a general name for the inhabitants of Eretz Kina'a. Nishvach Shamdam Hamoriyim. Shayu Nechba Imsha. They were hiding 
in the Nechalim. I guess they heard that B'nai Yisrael were coming and they realized B'nai Yisrael were very powerful and they, they were all killed there. Levisha Yuharim Gevohim V'anachal Amok V'katsar The hills were high. The Nachal, the river, was deep and short. V'arim Smuchim Zelazeh The mountains were next to each other. Adam Omer Alahar Mizeh Umidaber Chavero Bahar Mizeh V'adel Hover Tocha Nachal Amru Amorim so like this, this, so this is like the situation, right? There's a mountain and another mountain. Somebody's here talking to the guy of the mountain over there, and the Moriim are hiding in the middle, right down in the valley where the water is. The Moriim are hiding. Amru Moriim, Yisrael min so the Moriyim said, we will hide in the sides of the mountain. The mountains were full of caves. And then when the Jews come down and start walking through the Nachal to get to wherever they're going, we'll come out and we'll shoot them with arrows and stones and we'll beat them, you know, to, to smithereens. Vayu otama nitkaim bahar. So they were hiding in these, uh, in these little uh, holes or on the, on, the, on the stones, right? All these Amorim. And then the first wide line in the Rashi, Kevan Shebao Yisrael Avor. So something happened. There was a miracle. And the mountain closer to the side of Eretz Yisrael started shaking. I don't know exactly what that reference is to. It's like a, a maid servant who comes nervously to greet her mistress. And the mountain came closer to the side of Moab. And Poof! The enemy has disappeared. Done. And what is the possibility? It means that the mountain moved in the direction of Moab, of Ar. So the two mountains moved together, they were smashed together, and then all the people, all the Amoraim who were in these little crevices and holes in the mountains waiting to beat up on the Jews, they were gone. They disappeared. Now, let's ignore uh, whether you think this interpretation is a little fantastic or not. Let's say this is the correct, let's agree. This is the correct interpretation of the Pasuk. I mean, it was a miracle. The Jews were about to be attacked 
by the Amoriyim, and unknown to them, apparently, the Amoraim were destroyed, hiding. They were still hidden when they were destroyed. Not a peep was heard from them. They just disappeared. Usually, I mean, what are we used to? Allah comes on Molech. Right, we're in the parish of Shemos, the parish of Bishalach, Amolek comes to attack Bnei Israel. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, well, let's muster up the troops. Let's get Yoshua, let's get Hur, let's get everything together. And Moshe Rabbeinu goes up on a mountain and he holds his hands up, his arms up, and Bnei Israel win. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. And what was the point of the miracle? What was the point of that miracle? of Moshe Rabbeinu holding his hands up. So the point of the miracle is explained clearly in the Mishnah. As long as B'nai Yisrael were mistaklim klape malo, as long as B'nai Yisrael had faith, they won. And when they lost faith a little bit, they weren't able to win. So this was a lesson. B'nai Yisrael learned a lesson about reality. It's a reality thing. When you go to do something, when you go to fight a battle, or whatever battle it is you're fighting, if you fight with whatever is necessary, but you also add the element of faith, then you'll win. And if you don't have faith, then you'll lose. Is this true for everybody? Probably not. But B'nai Yisrael had an obligation to faith. That was their obligation. That's what they were there for. They were there to show the world that faith works. And therefore, if they had faith, they would win. If they didn't have faith, they wouldn't win. So the story is told to us. Moshe Rabbeinu says to Yeshua Benun Ktov Zot Zikaron Basefer. I don't know what Sefer and what Ktov and what Zikaron, but you understand what Moshe Rabbeinu says to Yeshua Benun is, this is important. Let's not forget it. Which he's talking about, what's he talking about? The war against Amalek. There's a lesson. It's a miracle, but there's a lesson. Here's a different story. Here's a different story. B'nai Yisrael were being attacked by the Amoriyim, the people of Canaan. Did they know they were being attacked? No. They didn't have a clue. Because the Amorim were hiding in the caves alongside the mountain. Did they ever find out? Well, I don't know if they ever found out. Because they were smashed. When the mountains were moved together, they might have thought there was an earthquake or some kind of a thing. Something happened, but they had no idea that there was anybody in those mountains. And that in the mountains was the enemy. And that God was performing a miracle. So that's the pshat in the Pasuk according to Rashi. So we say, if they didn't know, and they didn't know there was an enemy, and they didn't know there was a miracle, and they didn't know what happened, so they say, so what does the Torah tell me the story for? What's the point? What's the point of the story? If I compare it to the story of Amalek, I understand. The story of Amalek is a story about faith. You have to have faith in order to accomplish your goal. Okay? Something to talk about. Something that interesting. Something that religious people might be concerned about. All of it makes sense. But this story, this story which says they didn't know and they didn't listen and nothing happened 
And as far as they're concerned, there might not have been an enemy at all. And God did this miracle. So what was the point? What is the point of the story? And further, the story is hidden in the words. It's very difficult to imagine that any of us pouring over this pasuk for a long time would ever come to the conclusion that that's what the pasuk was saying. That's the pasuk. Something happens. The pasuk is totally unclear. And as clear as Rashi is, he leaves us with this question. And so why did the Torah tell us? Why didn't the Torah tell us the whole story? Why is the story of importance at all? What difference does it make? That there was some kind of miracle that Ben Esau didn't even know about. That's a little hard to understand. The next posuk is Misham Be'era. He ha Be'er asher amar Hashem lemoshe esofet ha'av et nalehem mai. And then they went from there to the Be'er. Rashi says, Misham Ba'a Eshed El HaBe'er. In other words, Misham HaBe'er, that the, the subject of the sentence is Eshed HaNechalim, the outpouring of the water. The outpouring of the water came to the Be'er. Ketzad Omar HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Mimo Dialevanai HaNisim HaLalu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Kaviyochol, right, in heaven he said, Who's going to tell the children of Israel what happened? How, what a mirac- miraculous life they lived. Because they didn't know. He says, if you gave a bread to a child, it's a mashal, so then tell his mother. It's important that the mother should know what the child is eating. So here they're at this movie. But Israel in the movie. First the mountains move together. Then they move apart. And Chazu Arimlin Komam. And the well went down the bear, the, the spring went down into the into that river. Imagine this. This is really a, a movie. You know, I mean, it's just like frightening. You sit there in the movie and, 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 and just be scared. The bear goes down into the part in between the mountains that the Jews hadn't gotten to, and it comes up like a like a shuffle. You know, these uh, what do they call that? A, a derrick. They used to call it in America. That's a name. You know, in Israel, they call them uh, JVC. You know the like Kleenex. JVC was the name of the company that made these kind of um, things that had a derrick on one side, a cup, and on the other side a claw. You know, like, uh, what do you call that? The little thing that moves along on... What? Yeah, that's also the name of... Uh, it's not what it is, that's a trade name. It's like a car's name. A what? A backhoe in, in America. In Israel they call it JVC because it was made by a company that was called JVC. Right, so that's what it's called. It, and if you say in Hebrew JVC, so it becomes a Hebrew word. 
<laughs> so this thing comes down from, from, from the ground, comes up from the ground, and the thing comes up full of blood and guts and arms and legs. Right? And so B'nai Israel looking, there's a gene. Isn't that interesting? First the mountains come together, and then they come apart, and then this backhoe comes up with the, it's a bear, it comes up with all this stuff in it. It's like a, like used from some biology lab someplace, you know, like, or some a medical school. You know, they cut up all the cadavers, and I guess they get rid of them. This is what Rashi says. He says, What did they say Shira about? Why did they say Shira? Because they knew they'd been saved. They didn't know before. They had no idea. They had no idea that there was a danger. They had no idea that they'd been saved from danger. And they had no idea when the mountains moved back that they could they didn't know what it was all about. The mountains moved together, the mountains moved apart. They said, gee, you know, maybe these are like nervous mountains. What do we know? They don't know anything. And so who said, I've got to show them what's happening. So up came the claw, the bear, with all this stuff in it, and they understood that they had been saved. And so because they understood they had been saved, Pasuk Yudzayim, as Yashir Yisrael at Ashira Hazot, Ali Be'er, Enuva. That's what they said. Ali Be'er, Zawaf Be'er, Enula. I don't know how it fits together. Enula, they answered. They answered. Ali Be'er, Ali Be'er. You know, they were like all excited about what they just found out that God had saved them. How did they find out? From the Be'er. What did the bear do? The bear came up with all these human parts and so they understood that something great and interesting is, had happened, has happened. Rashi says, Ali Be'er. <coughs> you see Pasuk Yudzayin in the Rashi, Mitoch HaNachal. Be'elim HaShat Ma'ala. Come up from the Nachal and bring up what you bring up. Because as in the Pasuk, they came to Be'er. You mean just the bear was just born over here? The bear was with them for 40 years. I mean, the bear left when, when Miriam died. Miriam died in this parasha. But the bear did something that was not bear-like in this particular case. Usually the bear is like the canteen. It went along with the people. Wherever the people went, so the bear went. You wanted a drink, you went to the bear. You got a drink. But all of a sudden, the bear starts flying around. It's up atop the mountains. It goes into the valley. So it acted in a non-bear-like way. Everybody knows that the bear was given to them at the beginning of the 40 years. In the parish of Bishalach. And this is the end of the 40 years when Miriam dies. So this is talking about, it's not a song about the Be'er, per se. They sung about this miracle that was performed by the Be'er, where the Be'er came down from being up, came down from the top of the mountain to the bottom of the valley to show people what happened 
at, the, uh, at this, this movement of the mountains that the, uh, that the enemy had been, that the enemy had been trounced. Okay, so I guess, um, I hope I've proven uh, at least that there's a certain difficulty here. I mean, it's hard to understand what this is all about. I've heard such a thing. What's the bear got to do with the miracle? What's got to, why should there be a miracle that the Jews don't know about? Shouldn't the miracle, should the Jews have waited until the Amorites showed themselves and then there could be a miracle and then everybody would understand? What do you need this complex miracle for? If God could destroy the Amorites when they were in the caves and, and today Israel didn't know about it, why couldn't God wait a few more minutes until the Amorites showed themselves and then destroyed them and then everybody would know that it was a miracle and it would further enhance the faith of Am Yisrael. There would be a point to it like the Rambam says. There's got to be a point to a miracle. A miracle, uh, everybody knows that God can do miracles. But God does miracles for specific purposes. So if the specific purpose was to defend the day Israel against the Amorites, okay, that's very good. But why? Why should, shouldn't they know about it? Why shouldn't the miracle also have a positive effect on B'nai Yisrael? Why is it only after the fact that they found out? Well, this whole problem, there's a famous Kedushat Levi, Levi Yitzhak Badichev. Levi Badichev is the, you know, the one who said, uh, let's say, we, now we can dive in Kol Midre, right? You remember that, the story? Then all the Chazim could tell that story. He said, now we can dive in Kol Midre. That uh, the Rav Levi Yitzhak wouldn't let them dive in Kol Midre. He said, we're waiting, we're waiting for something. And then there was this boy, like a shepherd boy. Hasidic stories, there's always a shepherd boy. There's a wagon. There's a horse. But all of these are regular components. So the shepherd boy, he couldn't take it. You know, he's sitting in shul. He didn't know what was going on. And he didn't know what they were waiting for. So he let out a shepherd's boy whistle. Like it pierced the air of the shul and Rav Levi Yitzhak says, now we can daven. So of course the meaning of that uh, story, I guess, is something like even simple people can daven. And sometimes the davening of simple people is so important that you can't actually daven until they, they get you going. Right? So you know that the, the, in Hasidut there's a certain... Uh, there's a certain attitude that is developed that, uh, that uh, religious devotion is not something that's limited to the great scholars. But it's also something that, uh, that exists for, uh, for everybody. You have to just find it. This was a Hasidic um, idea, or idea found in Hasidut. I don't mean that it's not found anyplace else, but it was an idea that they built on a lot. And therefore they, and not, therefore, but amongst other things, this produced a tremendous desire. This produced a tremendous desire upon on the simple people to join up, to be part of this. Because they can be, if a simple person could be the most important person in shul. So that, uh, that creates an interest. People want to do that. The misnagdim are the people who were chassidim. And they seem to think that there's a relationship between your success in Torah learning 
and your success in doing mitzvot. It's like the, the Mishnagdim say, if you want to daven better, learn another dafgimara. Whereas the Hasidim say, if you want to daven better, daven. And so, you know, both of these positions, to my mind, make sense. You know, they're reasonable. Both of these positions are reasonable. Uh, I don't know that one is more right than the other, but a lot of people were attracted to the Hasidic idea. Rabbi Levi Yitzchak is credited, Rabbi Levi is credited with having a great sensitivity for the simple Jew and for, for uh, pushing this idea that the simple Jew might in certain occasions be able to accomplish more than anybody else in turning, in turning to God. Uh, but this does not to deny the fact that Rabbi Levi Yitzchak himself was a serious Torah scholar. He was not, uh, he wasn't promoting simple Jewry because he was a simple Jew. He was not simple at all. And so, he, and he, wrote, a, he wrote a collection of, of essays on the Parshat HaShavua and other things, also portions of Shas, that is called Kedushat Levi. That's what, that's what his Sefer is called. So if you look at uh, the Kedushat Levi on this parasha, you find a discussion of the, of the issue that we've just brought up. And I'd like to go through part of it with you uh, today. And uh, as I said, the rest of it, I mean, you can take with you and learn. It's a wonderful, it's a wonderful thing. You know, I know that most people generally like to leave the sheets here thinking that I guess whoever the next people are come to Shul might appreciate them more, but uh, I don't know exactly how that works. He starts out by saying, you see, the lines are not numbered, so try to stick, uh, stick to it. מבינים כל תיבה ותיבה שבה ושירה זו נאמרה ברמז שאינם מבינים אותה Now that's like a pretty direct statement which is very unlikely from a Talmud Chochem because usually a Talmud Chochem understands everything but Rabbi Levi Yitzchok has that sensitivity he says look שירת הים everybody understands the words but שירת הבאר I mean, nobody knows what it's talking about who are Nidivei Am? Who are Mechokei? Who are all, all these words? What are they referred to? I mean, they're just, they're words. You know, the worst thing is when you have a posit that has words and you understand the words, but you don't understand what it's saying. Because then there's no hope. If you don't understand the words, there's hope. You can look at the, the words in a dictionary and maybe something will happen. But if you understand the words, then that's the end. You're sort of like at a dead end. So that's what Rabbi Levi Yitzchok says. He says, Shira, he says, Shira zon em rabbi remes, she'ena mevinim otel. Here this whole thing is, verse two, says, references something, we don't know what it's talking about, v'nir eh. Hinei shirat hayam, amar Moshe im Yisrael. Moshe im Yisrael. Right, it's az yashir Moshe, uvenei Yisrael. In the shirat ha'be'er it says, 
Az Yashir Yisrael. There's no Moshe. Shirat Ayam is Moshe the Yisrael. Shirat Abe'er is Yisrael. No Moshe. Moshe Ra'ah, so he says, Shirat Ayam, Amar Moshe, the third line, Im Yisrael. Um Moshe Ra'ah bas baklariya ha-meira, v'amar, nevuato, below remes, lahavin. In other words, Moshe Rabbeinu added a dimension of clarity and said it was Moshe Ubenei Yisrael. They understood perfectly what it was that they were saying. He says, but, but he says, Amru Yisrael below Moshe. He says, he, he says, V'amar nevoato below remes. Lavin, lavin. V'shirat zol, v'shirat ha-be'er, amru Yisrael below Moshe. K'perish Rashi zal, v'nei ma'al, l'chein ha-shirat zot b'remez, v'ein mevinim kol teva, v'teva al pipashut. So that's where he starts out. He says, shirat, shirat needs interpretation. Shirat, whatever you think poetry is, you know, in, in modernity, According to the Rav Levi Yitzchak, Shira is something that ordinarily needs interpretation. But when the Shira is the Shira of Moshe Rabbeinu, the level of clarity is such that everybody understands the Shira. But if Moshe Rabbeinu is not part of the Shira, like in the Shira Tabe'er, it's only B'nai Yisrael, then, uh, then it's more difficult to understand. Because the shira comes out as a remez, as a kind of a hint, a metaphor, which is really not explained in the words at all. Vatanevayam, the fifth line, the fourth, fifth word. So I, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak, I'm going to explain it to you. Ki Yisrael. In other words, sometimes the Jewish people are saved because B'nai Yisrael ask, they daven, they supplicate God. And God responds. He says, Lo lahem. And so God listens to the screams of B'nai Yisrael, to the supplication of, of Yisrael. Just as it happened in Yam Suf. They screamed out. God responded to prayer. That's one way. That's one thing in history.
והקדוש ברוך הוא עושה להם נס ואחר כך רואים שהנס היה ולא בקשתה And this is what's true about many religious people. People say, it was a miracle. It was a miracle. It was a miracle. Sometimes people cross the street and they get hurt. And sometimes people cross the street and they don't get hurt. Why is it a miracle? But some people insist that the escape of danger is also a miracle. Because after all, God is watching. And so it is a miracle. Even though you don't see it, there's no sign that comes down from heaven. And says, with a little, it's no, like a chicken, doesn't come down from heaven with a little thing around its neck saying, miracle, it's a miracle. You never know. You never know. So you have the option of saying, it's never a miracle. Or you can say, it's always a miracle. Right? You know, it's like, it's like a bachelokas. It's a bachelokas, but whether it's a miracle or not. Whether it's a miracle or not. So sometimes B'nai Yisrael don't even know there's a problem. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu creates a nes. V'achakach ro'im sh'anes hu b'lo b'kashatav. That the nes took place even though they never asked about it. The reason they didn't ask was they didn't know. They didn't know it was a problem. K'mo ha-nes zo shal ha-beher. V'ha-herim. Ha-herim k'perush r'ashizav. So according to the Badichim, According to the Baditcha, we're talking about a true life situation. Just as the war against Amalek proved or taught us that you have to go to war with faith, that you have to act in life with faith. Because that's the better option for Am Yisrael. Now we're learning something else. And if at the time of Kriyat Yatsuf we learn that sometimes miracles happen as a response, as a response to what, what B'nai Yisrael wanted to do. That's sometimes the way miracles are. But there's a third category. Sometimes we don't even know that the miracles are taking place, but they take place. And when it comes to the story of the Be'er, that's the lesson. The lesson is that we don't always know. We don't always know that we're being saved. We don't always know that good things are happening. We don't always know. ובאמת, מהיכן בא זה כשהקדוש ברוך הוא עושה נס לישראל ולא בקשתם כמו הנסו של הבאר והרבים בפרש רש"י ז"ל שלא יודעים כלל והנה הנס הוא על בחינה זאת. So he says, so when does this happen? When does this kind of miracle take place? כי כבר בארנו מה שאנו אומרים בקדושת כתר. קדושת כתר is like the קדושה of מוסף that those Jews say. These Jews don't say that. Those Jews, they say Keter. Right? She says, Kedusha Keter al-Pasuk. Hem ga'alti etchem acharit gereshi. That Geula, the latter Geula will be like the former Geula. He says, I don't understand. Yesh la'vin. Geula achrona yeyotei gdola. Be'agudula rishon. Everybody knows that the final redemption will be greater than the earlier redemption. So how can you say that the final redemption will be like the earlier redemption? Adorable. The final redemption is greater than the earlier redemption. You can't say it's like. It's not like. It's the little one that's like the big one. It's not the big one that's like the little one. So I mean, let's not argue about 
the logic here. But that's what he says. Means Yisrael. All the worlds are there in order that B'nai Yisrael should accomplish its potential. So he says, so obviously, obviously if the world was created for the benefit of B'nai Yisrael, so if then the world is a big pit someplace, right, here's B'nai Yisrael walking in the direction of the pit, they're going to fall into the hole, it'll be terrible. So what's the pit going to do? It's going to fill itself up? Because that's what it's supposed to do. The pit is supposed to, the pit is in the earth. And the earth is part of the creation. The creation is there for B'nai Yisrael. So the earth, this pit, this, uh, this uh, 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 metaphoric pit, will fill itself up and B'nai Yisrael will not be in danger. B'nai Be'met, Shiyeshit Galut Al-Midah Tachtona Hareshit Amachshavah when this comes, when this is really what's happening, that, that you see the world is being, is for, for B'nai Yisrael, as ha'aretz ba'atzma osa tovot Yisrael keivan shunivra b'shvil zeh, hu ha'tikun shela, v'zeu ha'remez, etchem ha'chrit b'reshit sh'yitgalei reshit ha'machshava ad midat ha'tuna. When this, this idea that the world was created for the better of Am Yisrael is kind of noted. It's something that happened. And what's happening now to B'nai Yisrael, they're on their way to Eretz Yisrael. They're, they're, they're employed in an act of gula, of redemption. They're going in the right direction. So something, when you're going in the right direction, that's what's going to happen. The world is going to create situations of salvation that you don't even know about. That's the point of the, that's the point of Rav Levi Yitzchak. She'it galeri, she'itam akshabi I'm up to, so you see that that Bakasha Remember Kurish Bowl said to Moshe Abeyman Matitakelai Dabel b'nei Yisrael v'yisrael, it's a, a crux. They start davening, davening, davening. They see the, the Egyptians are coming after them. They see the waters before for them. There's nothing they can do. They have no option. So they daven. That's what we would do. 
I mean, that's what you, that's what you daven. We have no other option. Hakadosh Baruch says to Bnei Yisrael, "To Moshe Rabbeinu, not But now is the time for davening. Now you're going to daven. Daber Bnei Yisrael, go. What do you mean go? If they thought they could go, they wouldn't go. But they were sure that they can't go because the water was too hot. What go? So look, as the Vatichvah, he says, I mean, he's going to refine this a little bit in a minute, but what he says basically is, there's a time when you're going in the right direction. There is such a thing. You're going in the direction of Geula. You're going to Eretz Israel, going to Matan Torah. It's got to happen. It's got to happen. And who's the shutaf? Who's the partner in this got to happen idea? All the creation. All the grace, so it's inconceivable that the water will stand in your way. It's inconceivable. You don't need special intervention from HaKadosh Baal. That's the way the world was made, according to the Baal. And so HaKadosh Baal says to Moshe, what are you talking about? You're going in the right direction. You're going towards the right place. It has to happen. It's going to happen. Just tell them to go. And it will happen. It's not that God will intervene, so to speak. But it's the way the world that was created that is going to mandate the splitting of the sea. And here, the Vaditchava adds, Binei Bayam, Shaya'az Kodim Matan Torah, V'lo ha'yadayin itgalut reshit v'machshava bereshit, he says, but B'nai Yisrael, B'nai Yisrael, according to the Badichra, understood it differently at the time of Kriyat Yapsul. They said, if we had already received the Torah, then we know that the sea would split. But since we haven't received the Torah yet, since we haven't received the Torah yet, so we have to raise our voices to heaven, and ask God to make the world work in this way. He says, but, that was before Matan Torah, I will become, in this case, so that's the story of the Be'er. The story of the Be'er is that B'nai Yisrael were given to understand that unlike Kriyat Yamsuf, where they had to daven, where they understood that they had to daven, even though HaKadosh Baruch explained to them afterwards that not to take but they felt that they had to daven because they hadn't received the Torah as yet. So that the world itself the experience of Am Yisrael in the world goes from one extreme to another. They start out in Mitzrayim where they have no zechuyot, no merit. And the only thing they can do, they can't even daven, is scream. And HaKadosh Baruch heard the screams of B'nai Yisrael and responded. But once B'nai Yisrael were on the right path, then it works in a different system. The miracles happen even if they're unasked for. And the reason that they might be unasked for is because you don't perceive the danger. You don't understand what's happening. 
but there's a kind of a symbiosis between B'nai Yisrael and, and the created world. Like the created world is, is, uh, is, is working in our favor. And it doesn't matter if we know that the Emoriyim are in the mountains or not. We don't have to know about it. And the only reason that HaKadosh Baruch Hu showed us the, these parts and the blood of the Emoraim coming out of the mountains was in order that we should learn this lesson. Because we didn't know this before. We thought that miracles are always a response to, for need, for desire. Like the Rambam says, and also the introduction to Perfecto, the Rambam says, they needed water, so there was a miracle about water. They needed, they needed uh, meat, so there was a miracle in Slav. But this is the Kiddush Rav Levi Yitzchak says, that miracles are not connected to my knowledge about my needs, and therefore they're not connected to my tefillot about, about miracles. Rather, they are connected to my direction. To Geula. Geula means I'm going in the direction of redemption. And as long as I'm going in the direction of redemption, there are miracles that are going to happen all the time. And there's not a, there's not a time when the miracles are not going to, not going to take place. Zewa Remez Ali Be'er Enu Lo Klomar Litzorcha Letikuna of the bear, right? The bear needed this. The Pirish Rashi, Shahajal Eretz Yisrael Bechulay, Shaharit Fatsma, Astalitovat Yisrael Ketikuna. It's as though we have to understand now the story. The mountains moved on their own according to the Batichuan. That's how we read the Rashi. Not that God moved the mountains, they moved on their own. What God did was that God decided to show us what the meaning of this event was. That in, in subsequent times, we would never be able to get that. We'd never see the miracle. So that, that people are, are directed, people are directed by the Vaditra to understand not only that you live in a world of miracles, but you live in a world of miracles that we don't even know about. We never see them. We never see the enemy. And we never see how the enemy is overcome. And we live in that world as long as we're moving in the direction of a gracious Baruch that the world was created for Am Yisrael. So in order to, put, to play out this idea that the world was created for Am Yisrael, Am Yisrael of course has to be devoted to the Torah and to the, and to the mitzvahs of the Torah. That's what that's what the, the Baditra says. So that the reason that it's hidden, the reason that the story is hidden in the, in the psukim about the mountains and Moab and Ar and the wells, and it's all hidden, is because that's how it really is. That B'nai Yisrael themselves didn't understand what happened. And that's why they say it in this kind of a hidden way. And that's why it makes sense that Moshe Rabbeinu is not involved in this particular uh, 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 course of events because around Moshe Rabbeinu is Asplaklaria on the era. He understood it all. So he wasn't part of the whole, uh, the whole teaching. 
He wasn't there when God taught us that this is the way, that this is the way the world, this is the way the world works. <laughs> okay, maybe we'll do another section. The Sichon captured Moab, right? Remember that's how the story of Golok started, right? We, we are enjoined from doing, going to war with Moab, but not with Sichon. Sichon we can go to war with them. That since Sichon captured Ammon from Moab, we were allowed to capture Sichon, so it's as though the, the cities of Ammon from Moab were made, they were made ready for us by the conquest of, of Sichon. So we know that this interesting fact that, that Sichon captured Ammon and Moab and therefore we captured Sichon and we captured the cities of Moab even though there were no... Uh, uh, so this is also a kind of a miracle. It's a kind of um, like the way of the world, like something is happening which enables something impossible to take place halakhically impossible. We weren't allowed to capture these cities of Moab, but we are allowed to capture the cities of Sichon. So here you have it. Okay, the last part of it, I think, is uh, it takes us a little out of, the, uh, out of the basic idea. So what I wanted to explain today with the Pesukim about, about the Be'er, and the Be'er was the uncovering of a secret. And the secret was, and it remains a secret, that we live, uh, if we're going in the direction of Gula, we actually live charmed lives. And there are always things that are happening in the world that we don't know about, and that we don't notice. Some of them we find out years later happened, they happened to our benefit. And we have to be appreciative of the fact that it's a Kodesh Bochu who is running the world in this way, that the world sometimes miracles are, uh, are not made known to us until after the fact, as was in this case, where the Amorim were killed, and only later on did the Be'er come down and make clear to B'nai Yisrael what had, what had really happened. We're sometimes in that situation, you know, like governments have these secret uh, uh, papers that they only release after 50 years, and 50 years later you find out that it wasn't what you thought it was. It was something else. And sometimes what you didn't think about was actually like a miracle. It was, it was a wondrous thing. 
And so Rav Levi Yitzchak, Rav Levi Yitzchak lived in a world where there was a lot of prayer, and the prayer produced Nisim Gluyim, but there was also, there were a lot of miracles that happened all the time because Am Yisrael was marching in the right, in the right direction. And that was one of the arguments that Rabbi Yitzhak always had with the Rebbein He would argue about the fate of B'nai Yisrael. And he would say, look, B'nai Yisrael, as difficult as it is, and as hard as their lives are, they are, after all, they're keeping the mitzvot, they're eating the kosher food, they're, they're watching Tarat Mishpacha. That was what he said. And what HaKadosh Baruch Hu responded was, according to him, I mean, not, maybe not in the conversation, was that there's an ongoing, miraculous uh, uh, support of Am Yisrael in history. And even though it's true that, uh, you know, there was once this famous debate between uh, Yaakov Herzog and Toynbee, you can get, you know, if you look on the, on the internet, you could probably listen to the debates. Yaakov Herzog was the son, uh, a bril- the brilliant son of uh, the first chief rabbi of the land of Israel, who himself was a great Talmud and also an outstanding diplomat. When he was died, he was the head of the Lishkad Rosh HaMem Shalah for Golda Meir. Uh, he was a very remarkable person, so he took on Toynbee. Now Toynbee, Toynbee argued that, uh, that the Jewish people did not live, but they kind of reconstituted themselves. Different people said that they were Jewish at different times. And he, he made this, uh, he made the, the argument, he, Yadav Herzog, made the argument that as unlikely as it is, that the Jewish people are still around, right, because they, they had no allies, they had no power. They were kicked from place to place. But that they would, since they were devoted to an idea, they were able to, to maintain their existence in history. This was like a wondrous idea. But you have to add to his idea, to, to what Yaakov Herzog said, I think you have to add this idea that as long as B'nai Yisrael, as long as the people are, are holding on to the idea, as long as they know who they are, as long as they kind of understand what direction they're going in, as all, all of those things are true, then Am Yisrael, that Am Yisrael is, is protected by the miracles that take place for their benefit all the time. There's no way to understand why the Jews didn't assimilate, I mean, 100% of them didn't assimilate. How it was they moved from country to country and they reestablished themselves economically and physically. It's very difficult to understand. No other nation seems to have been able to do that. Every other nation has its heyday. And then when uh, less uh, heyday times come along, they tend to disappear. They tend to go with the flow, you know, so that, that the... The, uh, the Greeks went with the Romans, and the Romans went with the barbarians, and the barbarians went with the people further east, I mean the Mongolians, and then they, just, they just went on and on, and every time there was an upheaval in the world, I mean you go to the, you know, to the ancient world, so 
the Sumerians, who were very outstanding culture, were kind of absorbed by the Babylonians. And they disappeared. I mean, even though they were like smart people, and they knew a lot of things, they just disappeared. They were just gone in the world. They left a few stone tablets, and, and they left. And then the Babylonians, I mean, they also seem to have left, right? Unless you think the Iraqis are big Babylonians. The, the Babylonians disappeared. And the Babylonians, the Babylonians were then usurped by the Persians, who except for Iran have all disappeared. Right? And, then, uh, and then the Greeks, who disappeared. Like no one who, who's around today is, is from that. They're not them. They're somebody else. So the Greeks disappeared. And then the Romans disappeared. And the Turkish Empire also disappeared. Even the Turks are still around. And I won't say anything about the British, because I don't want to be personal. But you know there was once a British Empire. You may have heard. And there was a time when uh, the guys who played cricket on the national British teams were all Brits. <coughs> now they all come from someplace in Africa. Right, so, you know, like... They were con- conquest. No, there were no British accent. They just arrived on a boat from someplace in Africa. I'm talking about the people who live in England. So you see, you see that great cultures tend to disappear. Like, they can't maintain themselves. They can't maintain themselves in cricket, and they can't maintain themselves in literature, and so they all they all tend to disappear. Am Yisrael, this is what Yaakov Herzog argued. Am Yisrael, by some force that is not natural, has managed to and succeeded in maintaining its values and its ideals, and and re, and and being alive. I mean, it's it's odd. It's not something that's easily explained. So the Badishra said, the Badishra said in a sort of complicated way that God is watching over B'nai Yisrael. And that watchfulness is exhibited in miracles that we don't know about. We live miraculous lives. Right, you know, the stars are, the, the star dust comes down from heaven all the time. And it's always falling upon us. Have a good shot. Stop. How are you? Yeah, so he taught two of my sons years ago in Amiftar. Yitzchak and Emmanuel Moss. They would say hello if they were here. Where are they? Uh, one's in Toronto, one's